0: This Sam Mays Podcast Roadshow is brought to you by Pettit Insurance in Norman. Remember, you're always in good hands with Allstate. On the Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last Rebel sound to me. It is a combination of Uh, Southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass and and for Skip Bayless to come out and say I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say how dare you how dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness honestly I want to say what I want to say
1: this is the Sam Mays podcast
0: Welcome, I'm Sam Mays, and today we've got Levi Stevenson with Wide Right and NattyLight.com. Levi was a guest on my radio show here in Oklahoma City on the franchise last week before the Big, big 12 Championship game between the Iowa State Cyclones and the Oklahoma Sooners. I've got to give Levi some credit as he found a way in a 22-minute interview to talk for 20 of them and literally light the entire Oklahoma City metro on fire as Sooner fans around the state tweeted me, Instagram, Facebooked uh, for days leading up to the game as you were so confident uh, in the Iowa State Cyclones and the job they had done uh, this last season. And and, uh, you you felt like, hey, you know, the game one wasn't a fluke and that they were going to be able to get it done in game number two. So we're going to talk a lot about that game. We're going to talk a lot about what some of the things Levi had to say in the beginning, but I've got to ask, buddy. Wide right and nattylight dot com. That's your website?
2: Yep. The wide right nattylight.com dot com. So it's two parts. So the wide right part is back in two thousand four and two thousand five, uh, Iowa State had a chance to win the Big Twelve North by making a field goal. First one was against um I think it was against Colorado. The second one was or sorry, it was yeah, and then the second one was against Kansas. They had a chance to win the Big Twelve North each year, and both of them went wide right. <laughs> um yeah, so then the Natty Light part, or this is for somewhat older fans, <clears throat> back in the early 2000s when Larry Stacey was, bat, was the head basketball coach, when they had Marcus Fizer and Jamal Tinsley, they were really, really, really good. Um, there was, a, They were playing down at Missouri, down in Columbia, and uh, there was this infamous photo that came out a few days later of Larry Stacey uh, partying at a sorority house in Columbia, Missouri, and in the picture, clear as day, there is a natty light can in his hand. <laughs> You're kidding me. And that that picture was essentially what got Larry Eustachy fired, and then led to roughly a decade of just not good basketball. Okay, um, I love it. Then I, they they picked it after that, but it's kind of a it's a it's a both both halves of the name are a testament to all the the pain that we've endured as Iowa State fans over the years.
0: I one I love it, love the creativity, and uh, yeah, 103 years since Iowa State had a chance to play for a title in football, and 20, 108, 108,
2: 108 years. Yes, because it is that is because that's there's a lot of Cubs fans around here too, and that's how long they had to wait for their next World Series. So it was nice, some interesting symmetry there.
0: Nice, yeah. um, I, I think that Iowa State this season was absolutely one of the top ten. Uh, top twelve teams in the country. You know, I think that it's been for the the eye test for me tells a different story. A lot of the times in the ratings, do uh, you give them credit though for being one of the nation's top tier teams? There's no doubt. I don't think I had a problem with anything that you said. Uh, last week about Iowa State, to be honest with you, but I was very curious in the way that you approached the Oklahoma conversation. Um, I am a former Oklahoma State All-American. I had the opportunity to play against Oklahoma several times ended up beating them twice. I'm one of like three classes in and cowboy history that could say they've done that. So my my it's not hard for me to cover Oklahoma. It's not hard for me to evaluate sure. them and look at them and be honest with myself about the elite level of football that you're getting out of Norman. Um, mm-hmm. I think that yeah, I, I was I think I was just a little bit taken back by uh, I mean you just seemed like Oklahoma was is just at, you know average this this year or you felt like that Iowa State was significantly better. I'm kind of curious where that came from.
2: So I wouldn't say that I thought so much as that I thought that obviously was significantly better or that Oklahoma was average necessarily. Um, but it's more so Oklahoma gets lots of cover. We know who Oklahoma is. They're, uh, you know, aside from, you know, save for the 2019 LSU Tigers, you know, the last three, four years have been the greatest offenses college football has ever seen. Right. And I mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're just, they're totally unstoppable. It doesn't matter who you put out there. Nobody, nobody can, even, nobody can stop them on a on a for an entire game. It's just not possible. Um, and we'd heard a little bit about their defense, so it was more so it was less so um, ignoring Oklahoma or dismissing them as so much as making sure that it's not it's not lost that Iowa State's also a very very good team and is and as shown in the first matchup is more than capable of beating Oklahoma. And actually, really not just the first matchup but the last four years has shown that Iowa State is more than capable of hanging with Oklahoma and. And beating them on occasion. And so, if it came off as me just dismissing Oklahoma, maybe that's, you know, that's probably on me for not uh, acknowledging more of their strengths. But, um, you know, I mean, I still, especially from the Iowa State side, I, I mean, I still stand by everything I said. Um, and I think it, what I said going up into that point was accurate. I mean, up, up to that point, Brock Purdy was playing on fire. I mean, he was one of the hottest quarterbacks in college football, and Iowa State was playing really well. Um, so, like I said, I wouldn't say it was it was necessarily dismissing Oklahoma or or not acknowledging how good they are, but so much as just bringing balance to the conversation based on what I had seen on social media and things like that. Um, where a lot of people, if you look at like the Game Day Crew and stuff like that, I mean they all picked Oklahoma and stuff like that. Basically, I, I heard a lot of conversation that suggested the first time was kind of a fluke because Oklahoma was down and they weren't playing very well and all that. Totally get that. So it was. about achieving some sort of conversational balance i suppose
0: so as far as and and you know we're not going to take a whole lot of time with you but the the i'm curious to know some of the things i've saw from you on social media since the game it seems like you think that iowa state lost that game more than oklahoma uh beat them you know i I feel like you know what you saw in the first half was about as dominant performance as you're going to find in championship football And I would say that, uh, you know, Oklahoma outclassed Iowa State in the entire first half. And if it wasn't for Oklahoma's head coach, uh, really getting conservative in the play calling offensively, you really felt like that thing could have been out of control after uh, that missed touchdown by, uh, oh, I can't think of uh, Trajan Bridges. He catches that ball. They're up, you know, three scores. And I don't know that Iowa State has enough fight to come back by something like that. I mean, it it was, this wasn't a close game for me. Um, And and this is a game that if you play it 10 times, Oklahoma's going to win nine of them.
1: So, or eight I, of them I, I would agree
2: with you that I would, I would agree with you that the first that the first half was definitely I Mel mean, Would owned that first half. Now there's a couple there's a couple things in there that happened um, that added, that I think need to be offered some context. Maybe first was the Asim Young ejection on the second play of the game. That's massive because one of because that that long touchdown to Marvin Mims was to Asim Young's spot on the field, and that's that's then that's a route that's a that's an area of the field that he's had a lot of success covering throughout the year, including on that interception, which ended the Oklahoma game the first time. That's not to say that his team young would have solved all the problems because that's certainly not the case. Right. Um, but that's, a, that's, I mean, he's, he was the defensive freshman of the year for a reason, or, you know, or a, you know co-defensive freshman of the year for I me. Mean, he's a really, really good player. He's going to continue to be a very, very good player. Um, and so that loss hurt. There was a couple, of, like, freak bounces that didn't help I would say Like, the one was it, got, it tipped off of a Ryan Vance, then it hit Jake Hummel in the chest, and he dropped it, and then the Oklahoma guy caught it. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Mims, maybe actually caught it. So it was kind of a freak right, that was crazy. there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was. Um, I've never seen anything like that. And I think I think I believe they scored that drive and stuff like that too. And I think that if I remember correctly, that was on third down. So that would have forced a punt instead of allowing the drive to continue. Um, and then there was a couple really really nice. Uh, Oklahoma's punter had a good day. There was a couple of them where he stuck them right inside the five or ten yard line. There was the one that hit. I think it hit like. The six-inch line and then bounce straight sideways. I mean, and stuff I, like that. So
0: I get what you're saying that some of those things are freakish but, or whatever. But wouldn't you just say that's elite athletes making elite plays? I mean, like those sure, kids sure, make yeah, plays.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, oh, no doubt. No, I'm not. I'm not discrediting Oklahoma, but there was there were some bad bounces that went Iowa State's way. Because one, one of the things that one of the reasons that Iowa State uh, it took some took them so long to kind of get going. Is they were playing behind on field position all day. Now, a lot of that was due to special team stuff where uh, Oklahoma had a couple big kick returns, credit to them, um, and, and the punts and stuff like that. So they, they, I would say it was playing behind on field position a lot of the day where they would have to make these long, long drives to try to get some points, whereas Oklahoma was being it was being fortunate enough to where they could make, you know, they'd be somewhere between the 40s basically to start a lot of their drives. Um, so that certainly helped situation, and that's, and that's not something that's – I would say losing Oklahoma had to make those kick returns. And they had they had to they had to do their part for sure. Um and that was a part that was uh difficult to deal with because when you're when you're trying to when you're trying to beat Oklahoma and you're not winning the field position battle and you're also negative on turnovers, it's not it's not not a not a fun place to be. Um, and then as far we had those those first couple interceptions, I didn't like the first one was a was a an under throw. Uh, I mean, he's got a six-six tight end in the back of the end zone. There, there's a, he should have put that ball in a place where only Charlie Kohler can catch it. If he can, he's got a big range. He can catch a lot of balls, and so that was a mistake by Brock, 100%. The second one wasn't a great decision, um, either way. And it put, you know, it put Iowa State in the hole for sure. Um, I don't think it was necessarily unexpected that Oklahoma would be leading, leading at halftime. Maybe by that much. Maybe it was a little bit surprising, um, or at least for on our end. Um, but we, we knew going into it, too, that Iowa State was going to make second-half adjustments. And Iowa State is a is second-half team. This In this series, especially the Iowa State-Oklahoma series, has been a tale of two halves. Oklahoma has owned the scoring in the first half. Iowa State tends to own the scoring in the second half. And that's how it always goes. So we we knew Iowa State was going to start coming back at some point. How, if they had enough time and how it went, was going to be dependent partially on Oklahoma. And credit to Oklahoma for their defensive line being really good. Uh, they gave Iowa State. They gave Iowa State a lot of problems in the first half, All especially. Day. Yeah, uh, yep. Yeah. And, and, and that was probably one of the things that
0: you and I argued about or disagreed with the sure. most. You know, and I'm I'm an All American. I I know what good offensive line play is. I played with some real dudes yep. back in the day. They sure. had one of the top ten, twelve offensive lines in the country. Um, but I flat out told you that that line was as good as I've seen the Big Twelve. Like, how did you evaluate them coming into the game? Because what I'm seeing is the best defensive front across the board uh, that the Big 12 has seen since 2004, 5, 6, in that era.
2: Sure. Um, I think the, the expectation on my end, too, is that the play calling would help deal with that a little bit. I thought I was expecting them to run some more read options, get Brock Pretty more involved in the running game, some more misdirection types, some more screens. Uh, things along, which is what that's what you do to counter good defensive lines, is you
1: right? Know,
0: get the ball out quickly, make them over. right?
2: Yeah, yeah, make make them over pursue, and and that's something that they had. That's something they did in the first matchup against Oklahoma, even though they were missing uh, Ronnie Perkins, they still had the other two guys that are still very good, um, and they did a fairly good job of of mitigating their impact and and dealing with it. And I thought um, I thought the play calling didn't do the offensive line any favors. I think they, I mean. The play calling reflected a a game plan essentially where we're going to man up and we're just going to try to beat you one on one, which I respect it. um, But when you're going up, you know, when you're playing against Kansas State and West Virginia, now West Virginia's got a good defensive line too. um, But you know, when you're when you're going up against other teams, um, maybe that works because Iowa State does have a a much improved offensive line. They're going to continue to get better um, as they get older because they're still young right now. Um, But against a, a, a defensive line of the calibers of Oklahoma's. Um, that's probably not one that you want to just say. All right, we're in, we're gonna we're just gonna punch him in the mouth and see what happens. Right. And I, the play calling reflected that. It, it reflected a, re- a healthy respect for the defensive line in the first game. This time around, I, I didn't think that the play calling did the offensive line any favors at all. Um, I th- I don't think. I mean, we saw we saw on that fourth down conversion the one where Matt Campbell was very unhappy that they didn't call the offside play. We saw it. as soon as they they ran a read option, Brock Purdy kept and he got what I don't know twenty twenty five yards, or right. whatever it was. Um, and he only ran it a few times when he did, he got, I don't know, he probably averaged 10 or 15 yards of carry on the day. Cause he didn't run it very often. Right. But when he did, he was really, really good. And I, I thought they really underutilized um, the QB run and then, and then, you know, screens, whatever it is to help mitigate the impact of that defensive line. You
0: know, I, I'll say that, uh, you know, I, I respect the job that Iowa state's offensive front did for the majority of the game. I mean, they, They hung in there as long as they can. Um, I I would say the the biggest problem that I had with Iowa State's game plan coming into this was really kind of – I I thought that Campbell's game plan kind of coincided with your demeanor on air last week. I think that they believed – I think they truly believed that they were looking eye-to-eye, and the reality is no one looks eye-to-eye with them. Oklahoma is the monster in this conference, and I think that's kind of what you – there wasn't enough – um You know, I, I understand that I'm at a disadvantage here. So they went in there trying to do right. what they do I, and failed.
2: I think the running game reflected that too, because you could see. I, I think I even tweeted about it during the game from the wide right account, saying like death taxes and inside zone on first down. Because for whatever reason, they just decided that we were just going to run it in the a gap every first down, and it, it really, it really annoyed me because. I mean, they're not—they're not—they're not looking eye to eye Oklahoma as far as talent goes, but they're good enough that they can—they can scheme around it and still get good. It's not like they're like totally overmatched where they just can't do anything. I mean, they can still scheme around it. We saw it when when they had when they ran outside zone when they got Brees around the edge. He was good. He got yards, um, and I, I think they underutilized that. And that's and that's a that's a complaint that a lot of people, including myself, have had. Uh, so how much of Tom this do you Manning think was, the last few years.
0: how much you think was, OU just getting, beating them and how much you think was Matt Campbell having a piss poor game plan and uh, maybe, a, you know, just not coaching the, I mean, how much was the sidelines fault?
2: Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I wouldn't blame it as much on Matt Campbell since he's not the play caller. Um, I mean, Tom Manning, you know, he, Tom Manning's up for the Broyles award. Uh, for a top offensive and I th- I think I tweeted during the game I was like if he's gonna if he's gonna if he wants to win this Royals award, um he's gonna earn it right now. And right. I yeah, and so but to to your back to your kind of your original question, um I think it was a little bit of both. I think the I think the game plan, 'cause you you want the game plan to reflect your personnel, your personal strength. You want to lean on your strengths and try to minimize the weaknesses as much as you can.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Against certain teams, they can run inside zone and get all the yards they need. They did that against West Virginia, Kansas State, Texas Tech. All those. I mean, even kind of Texas, they did it a little bit or they they manned up and they went there and they ran they ran inside zone and, and it worked just fine. Um, it, it, even if that's your game plan going in to this game, and then it gets stuffed, you know, gets stuffed early on and it's not working, I would have I would have liked to see them adjust the the running game plan earlier in the game. So part of it is definitely Oklahoma. Um, being better from a person, you know, talent-wise, uh, because they they stopped a game plan that had been working for Iowa State for a long time, and that and that 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 change doesn't happen without Oklahoma being very talented. But there is a counter for that, and Iowa State waited way way too long to to run counters to that to those strengths. I think. Well, I get,
0: I promise you, some of these Sooner fans want me to try to get you to say Boomer Sooner on this thing, and I guarantee you're not going <laughs> to do that. Um, ain't gonna
2: happen. <laughs> but
0: uh who's Iowa State got in the bowl Oregon Oregon yeah that will be uh that's a game right and I, I'll give be uh, a
2: good game I would say it's a four-point favor right now I think
0: yeah I, I like, I'll you, like
2: I'll tell you what I watched a, I listened to an Oregon podcast uh yes yesterday their their first impressions. it was very clear to me that they are in their Pac-12 bubble
0: <laughs> oh yeah they don't know uh, what to expect right
1: yeah.
2: No, because they they were talking about like, well, Iowa State's, you know, they you know, I I don't I don't think they're there, and they you know, if they were five and two, they wouldn't be ranked, ignoring the fact that Iowa State was five and two and ranked, right? Um, or whatever, and they say, well, you know, Oklahoma's got, or sorry, Oregon's got the twelfth most talented roster. There's a huge talent gap based on recruiting rankings, and all of a sudden we're sitting here thinking, do Texas and Oklahoma not exist? Because they're number oh, five yeah. and number nine. Right. I mean, and we've them both this year, so right. I, I, you know, the talent gap is something it. I don't know. A lot of their arguments were really, I don't know, really, really high level and really not well thought out. Right. And it was, it, and it was, it was interesting, though, because it wasn't like listening to um, a Texas podcast or an Iowa podcast, something like that, where that were well familiar with each other and it's kind of got this kind of weird, like, arrogance to it. Right. Or whatever. This one was just like, it was, it was same words, but it felt different, where it was, it was less, it was less so, like, oh, we're Oregon and Texas right. or Iowa State and it just, it was more just they don't know. Right. It was ignorance. And I, and I don't yeah. blame them. They don't have to know. They don't have to know. They don't right. ever play us. I mean, the last time they played a Big 12 team was 2013 when they played Kansas State in the festival Right. So there's no reason for them to care, so I don't blame them for not caring. Uh, but it was just interesting to listen to because um, I don't I don't think they recognize that Iowa State can play some football now.
0: Yeah, I think, th- honestly, this is probably, um, to me, the next three seasons in Big 12 football will tell quite the tail as far as where this conference is sitting at. I think the brand of football mm-hmm. is significantly better than it's been in the last five years when you consider the yeah. injection of run games coming back to this league. Now defensive linemen are coming back to this league. Players are getting drafted from this league. So I would believe that on the coast, you know, the East and West Coast, that have been acknowledging the Big 12 as the worst conference in college football for the better half of this decade, I'm sure – that this is going to creep up on them on them a little bit. So when you look at, oh, I'm uh, sure, yeah. When I you mean, look-
2: they, they they whipped out the old Big Twelve doesn't play defense line. Yeah, good, they, they, they have like, no okay, idea. Well, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, when, when you look at you know the, the USC and the and the the Pac-12 is, is almost a bit of an embarrassment to college football at this point, just the brand in general that they're playing. Uh, I think Oregon had teeth when all those defenders were on this team. They all opted out this last year, so I think they're probably safe there. But this is one of the few bowls that I like. Um, the the underdog, quote unquote, in a big way. I mean, I think Iowa the non, State, con- the non the
2: non brand name,
0: yeah, yeah. I think, and I think Iowa State comes in pissed after not winning the Big Twelve championship, and they don't. There's not enough success on that roster continuously for them to take a bowl game for granted, right? I think they go in there right. and, and probably play their one of their best games of the season, I and mean, maybe beat the crap out of Oregon, who shows up with this, know, you know, with this attitude you know, of, you know,
2: yeah. Well, they had all those defenders not Panay Sewell hasn't played all season. You know, one of the best right. line, offensive linemen in college football in the last, I don't know, two decades or more. know really, really good. And uh, and he he they don't have any of that. And it, it was interesting to listen to because they were talking about how um they have a, an, a they have an advantage, like a talent and an athleticism advantage and I would say that all basically every position except for maybe quarterback. Right. And I was like, Well, okay, I mean, I guess if they if they're only looking at recruiting rankings, maybe sure you come up with that conclusion. But then right after that, they were talking about how their quarterback had been struggling and in the championship game, his longest completion was 14 yards. Now I'm thinking to myself, is like if, if, you're, if your quarterback's longest completion is 14 yards, you may want to reset your expectations. Right. Because um, we are used to the greatest passing offenses college football has ever seen. We see those week in and week out. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we're not scared of your 14 yard completion. <laughs> right. And that's and that's the thing too that's really interesting about this Iowa State team, um, and and I do I do actually I'm getting off on tangents here I do this sometimes I get off on tangents and I gotta <laughs> circle back, but is that this Iowa State team is not scared of a helmet school anymore? Right, you're not you're not, you're not going in
0: like say, you oh, say a helmet rich. school like that though, man. Like Oklahoma's not a helmet school, right? Like that's a real deal, blue blood and.
2: Well, when I when I am saying helmet school, I mean a brand name. Okay, like a, a, okay. One that people like that like that's what I mean by helmet okay, school. J- okay, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, yeah. Like and, and the cool thing about this matchup is Oregon is a brand name. Yeah. Oregon is Oregon is a helmet school. Right. I would call them a helmet school going, for
0: sure.
1: Yeah.
2: But but they're not up to the caliber of all the other helmet right. schools at this point in time. So you can go in and get a big win over a team that people know people right. associate with really good football, but without having to play two thousand thirteen Oregon which is a different monster entirely than this Oregon. So right. kind of a win-win situation there. But I did want to comment a little bit on where you're talking about how the the direction of the conference, and I was talking with this about, uh, with uh, Gerald Goodrich, he's he's a Texas guy from, from Burn Orange Nation. Right. Um, and talking about how I think we are, I think we are really very, very close to kind of a defensive renaissance in the conference. Because, um, I mean, if you really look at all the teams, who who in the conference would you say doesn't have at least an average defense or above average defense? I mean, Kansas just and Texas Tech,
1: right? Basically, I mean, those are probably
2: the two that you'd be like that are below average. But I mean, I mean, who's your third best defense? Probably, or your third worst defense? Maybe I don't know. Kansas State, Texas, Oklahoma State, one of those maybe. I don't, you know, somewhere in depending on the day. Um, but I mean, even even you know Kansas State, who was down, lost a lot of people. Their defense was still. The yeah, States they popped. So yeah, Oklahoma solid. State, I think, had one of the solid. best defenses
0: in the country last year. O- Oklahoma,
2: year. Oklahoma State had, had a good defense. They, now, I think it was towards the end, they kind of started fading a little bit, but they were still pretty good for most of the year. Um, TCU, I mean, they're always going to be pretty good on defense. West Virginia had a good defense. As far. Right. Texas was much improved. Oklahoma and Iowa State had the, had the best two in the conference, in my opinion. Um, I mean, there's a lot of really good defenses in the conference now. And, and you know, for a while, the quarterback play in the schemes – over kind of overloaded all the all the defenses that were existing, which is because, you know, all these air raid passing concepts that came in that were designed to give um, less talented teams and less athletic teams uh, a, a fight a puncher's chance basically. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, they and they were really good and those offenses were taking on defenses that just were not ready to stop that. And then all of a sudden the SEC adopts all of these, well, if you're like they were they were built for lower lower talented teams to compete with with really talented teams and right. to give them a good chance. So you should not be surprised when a whole bunch of four and five star athletes start playing those offenses and all of a sudden they're lighting up the scoreboard. You should not be surprised by that. But anyway, so I you know, the Big 12 has been playing against those for you know probably a better, basically a decade now. Right. And so it's not it's you know so that their reputation is still carried over uh because you know for whatever reason the SEC and the Big 10 are – now the well now the SEC is seeing all these offenses still, but the Big 10 is still Stuck in 1996, and they're scoring. You know, the games are 17-10, and uh, but the Big Big 12 is suddenly becoming a very good defensive conference. Right? There's, you still have the really good. Now, the quarterback play was a little, maybe a little bit down this year, but generally speaking, the conference is still covered in really, really good quarterbacks, really good offensive schemes, and now the defenses are starting to catch up a little bit. Um, and it's really interesting. I think I think five years down the road, you're going to be looking at like the overall quality of football is going to be really, really, really good.
0: I would agree. Levi, thank you so much for your time, buddy. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: And uh, let me—I'll ask one final question: If you could, okay. if Oklahoma played Iowa State ten times, how many times do you think Iowa State would win?
2: Do I think Iowa State would win on a neutral field?
0: On a neutral field,
2: four.
0: Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Not too bad. All right, buddy. <laughs> have a good one, man, and Merry Christmas.
2: Yeah, you too.
0: All right, man. Later.
2: The Sam Mays Podcast is a production of P-Squared Media.